afternoon. I'm Charles Lee. And I'm Elise Kovic. And this is the Grok Science Show. And today we have a return visitor to the Grok Science Show. Mark Abrams is here to chat about this year's Ig Nobel Laureate. So you want to stay tuned for all that, plus the Grokatron 5000 is coming right up here on the Grok Science Show. founder of the science humor magazine, The Annals of Improbable Research, which is devoted to research that makes people laugh and then makes them think. Mr. Abrams is also the founder of the Ig Nobel Prize, also known as the Ig, the annual award that honors the best of such research. And he also writes a weekly column for the British newspaper, The Guardian, as well as for several international magazines and also for the Harvard Business Review and many other science and technology magazines. He's been a commenter on ABC TV's World News Now and on National Public Radio. And in addition, he's a well-published fellow. He is the author of the books, The Man Who Cloned Himself, Why Chickens Prefer Beautiful Humans, and the Ig Nobel Prizes. He edited and wrote much of the science humor anthologies, The Best of the Annals of Improbable Research, and Sex as a Heap of Malfunctioning Rubble and Other Improbabilities. Welcome today, Mr. Abrams. We're glad to have you back on the Grok Science Show. Hi, thanks for inviting me back on. Oh, we appreciate it. So every year in the fall, the world of science pauses with anticipation to find out who Nobel laureates will be handing Nobel Prizes to and for what. And so for those of us who don't know about this and what this award is, can you tell us about these prizes and a little bit about the ceremony? Sure. These are prizes that we've been giving out every year since 1991. So this is the 20th time. This is the 20th first annual ceremony. And they're prizes for something unusual. It has nothing to do with good or bad. These are simply for things that make people laugh and then make them think. Things where the first time you hear about it, you really almost have no choice. It's just funny. (laughs) And then a week later, it's still rattling around in your head, and you want to tell somebody about it. And this is all based on peer-reviewed publications, or most of it, I should say. (laughs) Some of it. it. It really, this is for anything. So a lot of them have to do with science, but... It's not necessarily science, and it's not necessarily done by professionals. It's just anything that has that quality makes people laugh and think. Uh, the, the one thing is these are real. We go to a lot of trouble to make sure these people exist, and they really did these things. See, I am always entertained, to say the least, whenever I hear about them. I was going through the Improbable website, and I think one of the best videos that I saw from the ceremonies was the dating contest that you had with a Nobel laureate. Yeah, the way you phrase it, it sounds like we do some kind of chemical analysis and tell you how old they probably are. That's <laughs> what we do. <laughs> At the ceremony every year, and it's a big ceremony, and it's held at Harvard in the biggest meeting place there. If it's 1,200 people, and it's always filled. And the winners come from around the world at their own expense, and we get a bunch of Nobel Prize winners there up on the stage who shake their hands and hand them their prizes. 
And in between announcing the new prizes and the new prize winners, we do all sorts of things. And one thing every year is a win-a-date with a Nobel laureate contest. <laughs> Each of the 1,200 people who's bought a ticket has a chance at winning a date with one of those people on stage. And it's always an unusual moment. Who is this year's dreamboat? This year it was Bill Lipscomb. He's a Harvard professor. He's mm-hmm. got a Nobel Prize in chemistry, uh-huh. and he is 91 years old. <laughs> That's wonderful. And, and we gave him away. And there's opera involved as well that you write the librettos for, I hear. Yeah, another thing we do is write. We have a theme for the ceremony every year. We pick out a different theme, not necessarily for the things that are winning, but for some of the other stuff we do in between. This year's theme was, what was this year's theme? (laughs) They all blend. Bacteria. And we write an opera, I write an opera about the theme, so we steal the music from usually classical operas and then write new words. So this year, it was the bacterial opera, (laughs) and all of the characters in it were bacteria with one exception. It was all about the bacteria who live on a woman's front tooth. And the woman was on stage the whole time, sitting in a chair, <laughs> most of the time taking a nap with her mouth open. <laughs> and the bacteria were there going through all sorts of adventures, fairly typical of bacteria. And in the end, as seems to happen with all of our little mini-operas, everything went wrong for uh, the protagonist. In the end, the woman woke up from her nap and got up and stretched and decided to do what a lot of people do. She went and she brushed her teeth (laughs) and she flossed her teeth and then she washed her mouth out with mouthwash. And these were three cataclysmic catastrophes. (laughs) Ended in tragedy. So at the end of it, all the bacteria were lying on the stage dead. And this is not only the opera singers, but most of the other people on stage have non-singing parts, so they're all wiped out. Mm-hmm. And the woman is standing up there just smiling, just you know, fresh from her nap, and for her it's just the start of another day. But nonetheless a tragedy, like most operas. Not for her. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm curious, I really admire you because I think this is, this is important outreach work, to say the least, because it makes science fun, and it makes science less scary and most definitely more approachable. So how did you get started doing this? And before we actually get into this year's winners, um, if you can give okay. me... Okay. Right. About 20 years ago, I became uh, the editor of a Science Magazine, and I started suddenly meeting all kinds of people who'd done unusual things. And some of them had done things you couldn't quite put your finger on it. And it took a few years before I could really boil it down to a simple phrase. But it was essentially that they were doing things that made you laugh and then made you think. And most of them really were going through life with almost nobody knowing about it. And I thought and 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 some other people I mentioned it to thought that this is a shame. You know, these people deserve some kind of recognition from somebody somewhere. Uh, it doesn't have to be a big deal or important, but just, you know, a pat on the head or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's pretty much the way it started. And it's blossomed. It's grown every year. It's grown into quite a monster. I know you do the uh, Black Friday with Ira Flato every year on NPR. Is 
I, th- I think neither Ira nor I ever thinks of it as doing Black Friday, but I guess it is. That <laughs> yeah, it's a tradition on the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, they always record the ceremony, and then uh, they edit it down to a radio hour. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's always fun for me to listen to what they've done. You know, it's, uh, the ceremony is this huge, complicated thing, running at very, very high speed. And they manage to take out little pieces and sometimes rearrange them and make a usually a beautiful little, very odd uh, radio hour from it. <laughs> Always entertaining, though. I'd much rather be listening yeah. to that than shopping, actually, which is odd for me. You can uh, do both I, simultaneously. I really can't walk and chew gum. Um, so You don't have to chew gum while you're doing it. You <laughs> shop and listen to the radio. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about this year's winners because there are some doozies. And so I, I was hoping I could read the reference. And then you could tell me more about it. I'm sure your hopes will be realized. Give it a try. (laughs) All right. So for the engineering prize, this is based on a paper titled A Novel Non-Invasive Tool for Disease Surveillance of Free-Ranging Whales and Its Relevance to Conservation Programs. Yeah. Uh, Now, when you say it's based on a paper, the paper really is something the scientists wrote just to describe what they did. So they're winning the prize for what they did. Mm -hmm. And what they did was come up with a better, a new, better method to collect whale snot. (laughs) And they did it using a remote control helicopter. So how does one... You know a better method? No, that's just it. I want to know how big this helicopter is. (laughs) It's roughly two feet long. It's not, not very big. That's impressive. They would go out on a boat and launch the the little helicopter from the boat. And the older methods, I don't think there were that many, but one of them was to try to get the boat right next to the whale. Uh Right there is something that begins to be very dangerous, not to to mention easy. (laughs) And then use a very long pole with something on the end that would uh, stick over the blowhole and hope that the the whale would would blow out and you would you know some of the stuff would stick to whatever you you put out there but that's not something that people really that's not a position people wanted to keep putting themselves in <laughs> i don't understand why <laughs> seems like a dream job to me <laughs> what about the medicine prize this year tempted to, to give the traditional i give up what about the medicine prize the roller coaster it, asthma the the title of the paper went to yeah two uh, scientists from the netherlands and they came up with a new treatment for the symptoms of asthma and they say that in most of the cases they tried this with of people suffering from asthma that the symptoms improved after they sent the people on a roller coaster ride uh, it was any kind of roller coaster uh, Did, uh, I loop to loops help better choosy about it <laughs> My recollection is that pretty much any roller coaster would do. <laughs> okay, now what about the transportation planning prize? So th- this is a big team of scientists, most of them in Japan and a few in England, mm-hmm. and they won a prize, an Ig Nobel Prize, for using slime mold to determine the optimal routes for laying out railroad tracks. Okay, tell me more. They got a map of the Tokyo subway system, Mm -hmm. and then they um, set up feeding conditions for some slime mold. And slime mold do things that are very surprising to human beings sometimes. And they found that the slime molds, given heaps of food at the places that correspond to, if you're drawing a map, to where the real subway stations are, were able to, and, and also corresponding to sort of the geography, were able to lay out slightly more efficient routes between the stations 
than engineers were able to, the shortest routes. Impressive. Well, what about your physics prize, Preventing Winter Falls, a randomized controlled trial of a novel intervention? I love this. This is one of my favorites. Three people from New Zealand who live in a city that's very, very hilly. They say the hills there are um, really on the the scale of the hills in San Francisco. Hmm. And it's also icy in the wintertime. They did some tests, and their tests showed them that in the wintertime, people will slip and fall less often if they wear socks on the outside (laughs) of their shoes. (laughs) And in that city, it's been a tradition for generations that a lot of people do that. But until now, nobody really knew for sure that that was, whether it was better or worse than the, the old uh, keep your, your socks inside the shoes method. So they tried it with lots and lots of people, and they found out that, indeed, people with the socks on the outside of the shoes had far fewer slips and falls. Since then, because of the publicity this has gotten around the world, they and we have been hearing from lots of people in lots of parts of the world saying, hey, we've been doing that here for a long time, too, here in the Rocky Mountains, here in Canada, here in Norway, here in the Netherlands. So, uh, you know, it's, it's something lots of people have figured out, but uh, these are apparently the first people ever to really test whether it it works or not. Oh, so and just, get it peer-reviewed well, by right. a medical journal. <laughs> so it's just like the real Nobel Prize. There is some controversy as to who was first here. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but, you know, whenever you have anything that human beings are doing, there's going to be controversy. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shocked about the next one, the Peace Prize. I'm, I'm shocked that it didn't win medicine, but I do understand why it's the Peace Prize. Tell me about swearing as a response to pain. Yeah, <laughs> that's the name of a published paper. A neuro report, yeah. People in England. And what they did was an experiment that ended up confirming the belief many people have that swearing will relieve pain. It's an experiment you can try yourself, and in fact, probably have many times. I've actually, um, this girl that I tutor, this was the science fair project for this year, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so are particular swear words better than others at relieving pain? What they did was... They sort of tried two kinds of swear words. First, they would ask each person to write down a list of words that for them are truly swear words. Mm -hmm. And then they would ask them to write down a list of other words that, you know, don't mean a whole lot emotionally. I think they said, you know, write down some words that describe a chair or something Uh like that. And they would take each person and plunge the person's hand into a, a bucket of ice water. And then while the hand was underwater, they would say, okay, repeat this word over and over. And they found consistently when people were repeating a swear word, and and it was a swear word that was a swear word for that person personally, they could hold their hand in the ice-cold water a lot longer than if they were just repeating any old word. I believe they also measured heart rate. And you actually have to keep your hand in water for 90 seconds. It, it, it's the most excruciating pain. Mm. You think you can do it. You can't <laughs> without swearing like wow. a truck driver, that is. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you tried it yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I actually. Hey, what swear ha- words did you use? I can't say that right now, but I'll tell you all about them later if you'd like. Yeah, over an ice-cold beer. Okay, that sounds... Anytime you're in Chicago, my friend, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a fan of the but F-bomb. it's got to be over the beer, not in the beer. <laughs> okay, let's move on. 
the public health prize this year and the reference microbiology. Yeah, public public health prize went to three scientists for an experiment they did way back in 1967. That's right. They, wow. They were at Fort Detrick, Maryland, which you may know is the place where the government brings things like anthrax samples mm -hmm. to analyze all sorts of dangerous things. Mm -hmm. And they worked in the lab there, and they published, they did an experiment, and they wrote it up, a description of what they did, and they gave it the title, Microbiological Laboratory Hazard of Bearded Men. <laughs> and what it showed, if you summarize it in a couple of words, or you know, little phrases, they showed that microbes do cling to bearded scientists. What about eyebrows? What about eyelashes? Why beards? Beards were easier to, well, they probably weren't a whole lot easier to measure, but they were more spectacular. I mean, are we talking reason, ZZ Top beards? Start, yeah, the reason this started was one of the scientists, they, they for a long time had had a rule in, in the lab where they were working with dangerous things, uh, microbes, that if you work here as a scientist, you cannot have a beard because we're afraid that this stuff will get on the beard and you'll take it home and you'll infect people and, you know, bad situation all around. Mm -hmm. And one day there, there was a scientist who said, well, I don't believe that's really such a problem. I'm going to grow a beard. <laughs> so they challenged him to test it, and that's where this came from. <laughs> because somebody was stubborn, a stubborn <laughs> yeah. scientist, imagine that. And if that. you go and read it, if you go to the web, we've got links to this stuff on, uh -huh. on uh, improbable.com. If you look up that uh, report, it's got some beautiful photographs they took. <laughs> really? Well, we're going to link that. <laughs> The economics prize uh, certainly of interest to everybody, especially after the uh, events of uh, 2008. Yeah, uh, it went to the executives and directors of Goldman Sachs <laughs> and AIG and Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns and Merrill Lynch and Magnetar. They were honored for creating and promoting new ways to invest money, ways that maximize financial gain and minimize financial risk for the world economy or for a portion thereof. <laughs> <laughs> and, and who was there to accept that award? That was the only prize this year where the winners could not or would not come or mm. send an acceptance speech. Mm. Yeah. Bunch of wimps. We, we just couldn't find the right people to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a couple more here, and then it's time for the Grokatron. All right, chemistry prize. Go ahead, Charles. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's Take a, a whack at it's, it. It's, it's a review of deep oil spill modeling activities supported by the Deep Spill, JIP, and Offshore Operators Committee final report. <laughs> Yeah, that was the report, and the <laughs> title is, you know, sort of long and dull. Yeah. That was uh, published back in 2005. The prize went to three scientists who were involved in that, uh, and to BP, British Petroleum, uh, who um, funded <laughs> a lot of the research. Mm -hmm. And they all shared the prize for disproving the old belief that oil and water don't mix. <laughs> Ooh, um, the three scientists were at the ceremony. And I see that. Good for them. Pleased to be there. Now the management prize. Now, this went to a group from Italy. Now um, tell me about this prize. What did they do? They did a mathematical model of something. You probably have heard of the Peter Principle, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, named by the guy who came up with the idea, whose last name was Peter, in the 1960s, I think. Um, and the Peter Principle says that in any organization, after a while, people get promoted, and inevitably, most people will get promoted one step too far. They'll get promoted to a level where they are incompetent. And so what these scientists in Italy did was say, 
hey, we can do a, a simple mathematical model of an organization and what happens over time if you keep doing this. And they did that model, and then they ran it, I think, 10,000 times or something like that to see what happens over the long run. And what they showed was that over the long run, pretty consistently, any organization will be a little more efficient if they promote people at random <laughs> because they compared it that way of promoting people to the the more traditional ways of do it by you know, choosing the people who seem to be best at their job or choose the people who've been there the longest or any other thing. But this, this is what they found, that if you promote people at random, um, it tends to work out better in the long run. I, I think this really comes as no surprise to anybody who's worked in a large organization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or a small one. Yeah. That's true. Okay, so here's the final one on the biology prize that this year. Um, I am going to I, not giggle. I didn't um, even know this existed. <laughs> so this paper is titled, Palatio by Fruit Bats Prolongs Copulation Time. This I didn't quite catch that. Could you repeat that? Palatio <laughs> by Fruit Bats <laughs> Prolongs Copulation Time. Uh, it's a PLOS One paper. Tell me more about this. It's a team of scientists. Uh, most of them are in China, and one is in England. And they scientifically documented, first time anyone ever has, they scientifically documented fellatio in fruit bats. And well, they even made films of it. So wow. this fruit bats with other fruit bats, just to be <laughs> sure. That's correct. That's, yeah, you know, that's the first time that I'm aware of that anyone has asked that question. That's very it, it, It's a good question. It is. And uh, one of them came to the ceremony, and he thought it would be a good idea to bring some hand puppets so he could demonstrate. Oh, boy. And not only that, he brought some extra hand puppets, which he handed out to lots of the scientists on stage so they could demonstrate. <laughs> and after a while, we did manage to stop all of them from demonstrating. <laughs> <laughs> Science. Science. About it. Okay, so the, um, if the ordinary Joe can actually nominate various things for any of these various categories, isn't that so? Or any category, yeah. Anybody can send in a nomination. We get something like 7,000 or so new nominations every year. Wow. And again, it doesn't have to be these categories, doesn't have to be science. You know, we give a Peace Prize every year, we give often a literature prize. We've given an art prize before, uh, for example, the guy who created the plastic pink flamingo, mm -hmm. the Ig Nobel Art Prize, and he comes back to the ceremony pretty much every year to take a bow. Everybody's always really happy to see him. <laughs> so pretty much anything, yeah, just go to the website, to improbable.com, and, and uh, if you know of somebody who's done something that deserves a prize, let us know. And yes, you can nominate yourself. Many uh, people do. All right. Although almost none of them ever win. <laughs> wow. Maybe we can get one for a broadcasting. Indeed, yeah. yeah. That sounds like oh. a fabulous category. Oh, Mark Abrams, thank you again for, for joining us this year. Hopefully you'll come back next year to do this again with us. Love to. Thanks again for inviting me on. Oh, anytime. All right, it's time for the Grokatron. Ready to play a game, the Grokatron 5000? Uh, never ready. <laughs> no one is. Yeah, well, we'll have to fire up uh, the uh, <clears throat> the Grokatron here. It's time to play the game, the Grokatron 5000. It is our supercomputer formerly known as Deep Blue. Today, the Grokatron 5000... Are you still using the 5000? Yeah, you, you know, we, we, we try to upgrade, but, you know, we're... We we're, didn't like it. Yeah, you know, NSF funding's kind of dry this year, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the topic, worthy of a Nobel, Nobel, Ig Nobel, or Ig Nobel... 
prize. So for the following five individuals, the Grokatron 5000, would like to know which of those four awards think they should be given and why. He's ready to play you know, the game. You know, I, 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 can't, I cannot comment on some of these things, but go ahead. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my hometown lady, Oprah. Mm-hmm. Oprah. Oprah yeah, Winfrey. You know, ask the questions, but really, I, I am in a position where I, I simply cannot comment on these things. We, we do not discuss nominees. She's a nominee? Wow. wow. I bet you Oprah's everything. Oprah I, is everything. We're discussing nominees yeah. or potential nominees, right? Yeah. Go on. Wow. Okay, so Every, she... But, you know, in this world, and, and it's, it's about the only one I'm aware of, everybody's a nominee, more or less. <laughs> okay, wait. What about Charlie Sheehan? Is that a trick question? No, no. it's not. Well, let's see. Can you co- can you comment on things? Are things ever awarded the uh, the the Ig Nobel Prize? If they are human beings, yeah. Okay. Well, what how about p- cartoon characters? <laughs> well, I know of many human beings who seem to be cartoon characters. <laughs> so, yeah, but they they would have to be both. All right. Well, how about uh, number one, the iPod? <laughs> uh, it's not a human being, as far as I'm aware. Right. Some people think so. Yeah. Again, I I am not permitted to get into this kind of discussion, but I'm happy to listen to you guys discuss it. <laughs> You're a tough nut to crack, Dr. Abrams, here. Yeah. I'm uh, not a doctor either, but thanks okay. for the uh, honorary title. There you go. The yeah. nut part, I won't argue with that. <laughs> I can't think of any inanimate objects that deserve these awards at the very moment. I'm going to think about 20 of them in two seconds, I'm uh, sure. Which, so which of the four awards, then, uh, would you prefer to be given, were you to be given an award. How about that one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, <laughs> but four? Well, you could, you could have all of them. We, we made these up. I made these up. So they're fictitious. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Or you could say you want to win an Emmy if you want. <laughs> I don't care. Daytime? No, nah, I really don't care about winning much of anything, to tell you the truth. <laughs> well, you've won our hearts today. <laughs> <laughs> and our, and oh, our frustration. Goodness, that no means I've got to take care of them, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I feel honored, but I, you know, I wouldn't want to accept it until I'm sure that I could do a, you know, reasonable job of it. Well, anyway, okay, so tell us, um, tell us where everyone should go to read more about the Ig Nobel and the Annals of Improbable Research. Well, to our website, of course, to improbable.com. Mm-hmm. There's lots of stuff up there and more coming all the time. Fabulous. Right. <laughs> okay, no more giggling. Right. Anyway, you have a fabulous holiday. Again, we really appreciate you joining us, and we'll talk to you next year. Okay, thanks. All, All right, right. bye-bye. You. Bye. Yeah, bye-bye. Well, I, I would have given these people uh, the Ig Nobel Prize. So, everybody, I hope that everybody did the two shots, because Charles said fascinating only twice oh, today. Oh, I must have said it more times than that. No. Oh, no, really? Yeah, no. so today was a two-shot day, so there's there's a chance at sobriety for our listeners. Uh, Absolutely fascinating. Everybody, thanks for checking us out on the blog. Please continue to comment. Mick, this is your official shout-out. Hey, hey. He's and, the most fascinating poster right now. Uh, he is. He's my favorite poster. Yeah. Everyone else, check us out. Uh, check us out on Twitter. Check us out on the website, www www.grox.net. I have no idea what our Twitter feed is. Uh, it's Grox Science at Twitter or at Grox Science. I'm not really sure how this Twitter thing works, though. I, I don't either. Make sure you let us know how we're doing. Drop us a line. Give us some show suggestions. And stuff yourself with a lot of turkey. All right. Uh, it's been the Grox Science Show. I'm your host, Charles Lee. And I'm Elise Kovic. We'll be back in two weeks. See us on the web, www.grox.net. Uh, science at grox.net is our email. And we're on Facebook and Twitter. Have a great afternoon.